0: hey everybody we're here at red rocks racing sportsbook jason chucky for the wild card edition of bookends it's always fun at this time of year you start talking about playoffs and what teams are kind of on a roll and healthy and having some fun before we jump into that though congrats to michigan a great season 15-0 who would think uh, in today's day and age a college team would go 15-0 they were dominant against washington on monday night really won the game in the trenches we able to run the ball quite effectively put a lot of pressure on Penix. great job by Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines
1: yeah i mean rushing for 303 yards four touchdowns edwards with the two big runs to kind of almost seal the fate real early for washington uh, corum kind of did his job of ground and pound late in the game really a lot of pressure on Penix. saw him throwing off his back foot um, basically the entire game and that's kind of what we talked up about a lot in that we game talked too. about pregame is that washington offensive line that only allowed 11 sacks were they going to be able to hold and not get that Michigan to be able to get pressure. They weren't able to. Michigan was pressuring them all day, unable to get the ball downfield, and then Michigan was able to successfully run the football. So again, congratulations there. We'll see where Harbaugh ends up after this season and obviously uh the bowl football landscape is going to change a little bit here with uh, obviously we saw a big 10 team and a Pac 10 pack 12 right. team and they'll be playing in the same conference next year so we look forward and to actually college i think they play on, on
0: october 28th next year it'll, so it'll be a interesting uh,
1: scheduling and and everything as we go into college football next year obviously uh we're going to see probably georgia and alabama open up the favorites to win the college national championship next year we shouldn't be in the bowl mess that we were this year with a 12-team playoff. Uh, maybe we'll see some uh, crazy spreads as we enter those those first weeks of the playoff. But um, in general, a great college football season. And like you
0: said, congratulations to the Michigan Wolverines. Yep, really, really good, good, fun game for us. It was actually a really good game for our side of the counter as, you know, Michigan was one of the favorites before the season started with the likes of Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State and Texas. But you looked at Washington about a year ago. They were put on our big board at 45-1. to so anybody with a ticket on Washington really kind of felt good about that price, especially at 45 to one. And since DeBoer became head coach there five times, they've been underdogs five times. Not only did they cover the spread, but they had won all five times. So a lot of co- trends and we kind of talked about how fun would it be? The last pac 12 champion wins the college football championship, but it didn't happen. Uh, we're going to dive into uh, pro football now, the wild card weekend guys. and. First, let's touch on the, the coaching carousel. You touched on it a little bit. Um, you know, Does Jim Harbaugh bolt now from college football and go to the NFL? Um, he's got that college football championship. His brother won it with the Ravens when they played head-to-head several years ago. And Harbaugh is a highly coveted guy. We know it's not going to be Chicago now. Zebra Fluss is staying there. But Chargers, Raiders, two teams that are really rumored to be in on Coach Jim Harbaugh.
1: Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not sure where he'll end up if he ends up, uh, you know, taking a pro job. They're going to have to come out of pocket for a lot of money um, to bring him to the to the back to the NFL game and. Um, clearly he's had success on the offensive side of the football and as a, a quarterback developer, um, but again some some really surprises for me We have seven seven openings right. um, as we sit here today uh, One of the ones that we're waiting on is to see what the Patriots will, will do uh, But for me the big one was Tennessee Yeah, let go of, of Rabel and then today um, Seattle uh, Pete Carroll being let go by the Seahawks, but I think Graybill, if he wants a job, will get a job very quickly elsewhere. Maybe it's with the New England Patriots yep. if they decide to make that move. And Pete Carroll, um, obviously an exceptional job with the Seahawks, what he's done over the past 14 years in bringing a world championship to Seattle. I don't know if this was just um, looking for change, looking for something new right. up in Seattle, but obviously he had done an excellent job up there for all those years. And and then you talk about the, the Arthur Smith in Atlanta, yep. Carolina, the Raiders, uh, Washington – Washington's a great job of the number two pick with a, a lot of cap room, uh, a new, new owner, ownership, uh, uh, a yeah, uh, stadium Harris, on the horizon, potentially building a yep. new stadium. I, I don't know anybody that's going to be Super excited to take the Carolina Panther right. job with um, the fact that they don't have the number one pick, which has moved on to the Bears. Um, they don't seem to have a particularly load of talent on the field, and they don't have a bunch of uh, free agent money to go to go better, get a, get a bunch of guys. So some real struggles there. Atlanta, you don't have a quarterback. But so you talked about it. Who can, where can I get a job? that I go have a quarterback and potentially the Chargers well, is that best job well, out
0: there. I think if you're Jim Harbaugh, that's really important. You're not gonna go to a rebuilding program. You want a chance to win a Super Bowl. You want a college football national championship now. And I think you look at the Chargers and you've got Justin Herbert I don't think any of those offensive pieces if it's Mike Williams if it's Keenan Allen um, if it if it's Eckler are going to be back next year yet where they draft you're going to have an opportunity to get maybe a, a neighbors uh a Dunze um a Bowers you're going to get a big name maybe to go in there and help that team because they really don't have any cash right now from where they're at salary cap wise but I think you look at Atlanta too and you think about Atlanta now the only thing maybe they're missing is the quarterback. They young, skill position players, over the last three years, it's been Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and Bijan Robinson with a good defense. They spent a lot of money with free agency last year. So if you're a team like Atlanta, and say, say Justin Fields does become available from Chicago, he's from the Atlanta area, does he become a natural fit for them? And I think if you're Ryan Poles, you can be a little bit like Sonny Weaver and Draft Day, I'm going to let you have some fun with that. So any of you guys that have seen that movie with Kevin Costner, I think you'll know what we're talking about right now. The wheeling and dealing hasn't started yet, but it is going to start with teams maybe trying to navigate and move up and down the draft board because you've got three really big names. If it's Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, Michael Penix, guys that are going to probably go in the top 10 to 12, and the first three guys I mentioned probably one, two, three. So we'll see what happens but okay let's let's do your well, best yeah, we'll uh, you know, Sonny
1: Weaver. The the you know obviously the Bears are are now on the clock and we know that they let go of the quarterback coach and awesome co- offensive coordinator Luke Getzey <laughs> today elected to keep Eber Fluss. so is are we looking into the crystal ball saying hey they're making the change of quarterback coach they're making the change at of offensive coordinator would you be doing that if you were keeping Justin Fields or would you be doing that if you're going to move on and bring a new quarterback up that's that's a rookie quarterback so that begs that question what to, what are they going to do with that number one pick and yes jokeling we were looking back to, to the 2014 draft day where Sonny Weaver had the seventh pick and traded Just up having fun has, traded up with the, the Seahawks um, and, and gave up three number one picks and then pulled a surprise and drafted Bonte Mack with the number one pick and then we saw Bo yes. Callahan fall down the draft board and they traded their picks back to Seattle Um, including um, David Putney and they draft Ray Jennings and and (laughs) Seattle ends up getting Bo Callahan and so that energy and that excitement that was in that Cleveland Browns and, and that movie, I feel like that's where the Bears are at right now is they've got a chance to make a an ever-changing uh, you know path in their future and what they're going to do and so much so at the quarterback position if you make this move it really changes everything that you're doing forward and what polls has done is he's built these picks with the trade that he made right. carolina last year to really just elevate the entire franchise in a
0: single year i think you know you look at justin fields and i think we're both you know we're fans yeah. we were excited we were watching the draft together if you remember the night that we saw on the tv that the bears had swung a trade with the giants and we knew it was for justin fields and there was a, a lot of excitement there, and he's no question had highlight real games and plays, but you look at where, where he is and, you know, being the fourth quarterback taken that, that year, and really outside of Trevor Lawrence, who hasn't been great either, none of those quarterbacks has really panned out from that class. And I think you look at a guy like Caleb Williams and Drake May, who are both projected much higher coming out of college, that these are franchise-altering quarterbacks. Now, we know sometimes when you get to the NFL, it's a different animal and it doesn't pan out, but I think these two guys are looked at as the guys that could be cornerstones for the franchise, even though they're going to get offered, I think, a bounty, I think they hold the number one pick, and it comes down to Williams or Drake May.
1: Yeah, I'm fully in that same boat. I expect them to ship fields off in a trade to a team that's desperate for a quarterback, get something back for it. Um, moving on from fields is hard, but right. again, he's already taken a toll on his body with a number of injuries, potential concussions, um, and I don't know if he's the type of guy that's going to be able to get through an 18-game season without taking a couple games off from just an injury right. bug with the style of football that he plays. And so maybe moving on to a, a bigger-bodied quarterback or a, or a Drake May, which is more in that Ben
0: Roethlisberger-type right.
1: type body that we may have. And
0: Caleb Williams, the comparisons are more um, Patrick Mahomes, just kind of his creativity, the arm angles – Um, You know, the headhunting downfield, looking for that big play, way more than Fields has done. And I think that's a big part of it. But I think when you really look at it, if there's some similarities between Justin Fields and Caleb Williams, why not just restart the quarterback clock? You're going to have to pay Fields a lot of money in his fifth year. And then you look at a new contract. Quarterbacks now, the way it's situated in pro football, you're slotted in. So the Bears are going to have basically a a mulligan for, for the cap for the next four years, if they go that route. They also have I think the second or third most salary cap money. You made a great trade in, in picking up sweat last year. Your defense, you have to sign Jalen Johnson, but it's a defense that was so good the second half of the season with a lot of young impact players. I think you have to kind of reset that, use that money to retool, and maybe you go out and get a Mike Evans, a T. Higgins, or you draft one of those young quarter, young wide receivers with your second number one at number nine to help a young quarterback like Williams or May.
1: We could, you You and I could sit here all day Ah, and talk about uh, the Bears and and, and Caleb Williams and so let's get to this week's game and you know the only thing for me about the Bears regardless of what they do um, they're going to get a ton of offers for that number one pick there's 15 teams in the National Football League looking for a quarterback with the number of injuries we saw, the number of young players, the number of teams that aren't having success at the quarterback position. So there's a potential lot of offers that are going to come in for that number one picks. But the Bears have to find a way to beat the Packers. And they haven't been able to do that for several years now. So as we look to next season, do what you have to do to find a way to beat the Green Bay Packers.
0: It hurts. It really hurts. But alright. Let's dive into Wild Card Weekend now, guys. Alright, first game on the board. And there's really... Four of these games this weekend have some really cool kind of side stories to touch on. So the first one, Browns and Texans. Um, We know in this game these two teams played late in the season. Uh, Browns won that game 36-22. That was Flacco, but no Stroud. Browns are a small favorite here. A couple of interesting betting trends. Uh, Cleveland's gone over five of their last five games on the road. Uh, The total has gone over in six of Cleveland's last seven games. But the total has gone under in Houston's four of their last five games. And Houston is 7-2 in their last nine games playing against the Cleveland Browns. Now, we know Deshaun Watson was drafted by the Texans. He played there. We know what happened there. He's not playing in this game. But it kind of is a cool side story as well about the Browns going against the Texans in this one.
1: I think the cool side story is Joe Flacco back in the back in the Great. playoffs and C.J. Stroud in the playoffs and Houston comes from you know, basically a doormat to b- back to win that division after the Jacksonville Jaguars right. kind of fall flat on their faces the last several games of the season. You, you talked about this thirty-six to twenty-two win by the Browns just a couple weeks ago without Stroud, and it wasn't even that close. It was thirty-six to seven. The Texans came back and scored some late touchdowns to be able to get that to twenty-two, but a complete another domination we saw. Uh, Mari Cooper go absolutely bananas yep. in that game. He had 265 yards receiving. Um, the one thing for me here is we look at the Browns. They go on the road in our favorite at Houston. Cleveland has not been a right. good road team this year. They're three and five on the road. Um, one of those wins was a one point win at Indianapolis. The most impressive of those wins was a two point win at Baltimore, and then obviously the win against the Texans. But three and five on the road. That defense isn't the same as they are at home, where right. the Browns are 8-1 and one at home. So as much as we like the Browns and we like what they do, they have not been good on the road this year, and the Texans 6-3 and three, um, at home. So on the flip side, they've been a pretty good home team. So something to look at there. And again, I think this is one of those games where we potentially see the scoreboard go back up and down the field, uh, and we'll see if Stroud can find a way
0: to steal a game here from this defense. Well, I think it's fun with Stroud is all the young wideouts. If all these guys are going to be healthy in that game, I think if, if Collins and Brown and Woods, and you get all these weapons back, I think it really helps. C.J. Stroud, we know he's a rookie. He's played phenomenal this year, really outplayed the other two guys. You know, Richardson got hurt but had a much better year than Young. Uh, but I think Stroud's the key, and Joe Flacco, not only is he playing for this year, but where's he going to be next year? I mean, Cleveland might have a tough decision to make with Watson or are other teams looking for Joe Flacco? You think about playoff teams this year, like the, or non-playoff teams like the Jets. If they had Joe Flacco, who they had the year before, playing quarterback for them, how good would the Jets have been this year with steady quarterback play? So I think it's a big, big thing for Joe Flacco to go out and play well in this game as well.
1: Well, the Texans' uh, pass defense isn't exceptional, so he's going to potentially have the, way, the ability to move the ball up and down the field. He's got to stay away from the turnovers. He has thrown a several interceptions over right. these last several weeks, even when they've been winning. They've been beating up on some bad teams. Um, the big thing for me, again, them traveling on the road and can they continue to have that road success as that, that defense just doesn't feel as dominant. And you talked about strength. Out having to have success, right. and the Nico Collins. I really think this game comes down to whether Singletary can run the football and whether he can find Dalton Schultz um, out of the backfield, and they can kind of chew a little bit more of the clock and gain right. a little bit of confidence on offense, and not give that ball back to Flacco to take those deep shots down the field to Cooper.
0: Well, that's the early game on Saturday that kicks off the playoffs. Um, There's three night games that are on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday night, which I love that format. And the late game on Sunday night is the Dolphins traveling to Kansas City. Now, we talked about it. The Dolphins were so dominant at home this year. Going into Week 18, only one loss at home. To the Titans by one point, which ultimately costs them a chance to host a playoff game. And instead of finishing number two, they're a wild card team. Well, they're used to playing in seventy or eighty degree weather. It's going to be frigid conditions in Arrowhead. These two teams played early in the year in Germany. Kansas City won twenty-one fourteen. Terry Hill had a fair game. <coughs> Excuse me, I think eight receptions, sixty-seven yards. Um, it's going to be really cold. Hill goes back to Kansas City, but can they do enough in that weather against the chief team that really hasn't been. Exciting offensively this year.
1: Yeah, as much as the Dolphins were <laughs> exciting in the middle of the season, um, a lot of that excitement's kind of gone by the wayside, and it's been really due to health. Um, the, the bunch of guys hurt on defense haven't had Waddle, Mostert, and Hill on the field at the same time. A has been absolutely fantastic out of the backfield, but can does that offense transport into the cold weather, into a into a negative wind chill type game? Can they play in those conditions with that type of offense? The Chiefs on the other side, you know, they're a short. Three and a half to four point favorite in this game. I think it's up to actually kicking up and now to four, four and a half, half right? Um, probably because of the weather. But they have not been good on offense um, the last several weeks. They're winning games on the defensive side of the football. It really isn't the Patrick Mahomes show. It's a running game, and can Pacheco ground and pound this uh, this Dolphins um, defense? And we'll see some Kelsey sprinkled in. Right. We'll see some probably some drops by the Kansas City Chiefs receivers because they lead the league in the drops. But I don't think either, I don't think anybody's looking at these two teams as maybe a threat in the AFC the way that they have been in the past, just the way that they've kind of limped into this postseason. And obviously we're talking about teams that are playing in the postseason but just haven't played their best football or what we would refer to as Kansas City Chief Football over the last three or four years. And obviously what we've seen the Dolphins this year, that explosive explosive offense hasn't been there with the injuries. I
0: think with Kansas City, though, that they're a team that um, kind of like with Philadelphia, and we'll touch on that, that you still expect that they can flip that switch. So they come out and play a really good game offensively here, kind of get you know the wheels back in motion again. That It's still Patrick Mahomes, and you hate to count that team out, but they have not been, like you said, nearly as explosive as they have over the last few years. Here's a couple of interesting betting trends um, for this game total has gone over in 12 of Miami's last 16 road games. We know weather is a factor here. Miami, however, is only 2-4 against the number in their last six road games. Chiefs, as we touched on, not an overwhelmingly powerful offense this year. Uh, Total's gone under in five straight home games. Kansas City is also 4-1 straight up in their last five games when playing Miami. So a couple of interesting betting trends there about how these teams play and how they score on the road opposed to at home. But Miami really has lit up the scoreboard over the last year and a half when they've been on the road. Well,
1: they're going to need a big game out of Tyreek Hill. He's going to have to find those soft spots in the zone. They're going to have to protect Tua um, because that is – Chiefs defense has been really, really good against the run. So I don't know how much Mostert and the chain. And the chain looks like he gets shot out of a cannon every time he runs those sweeps. Right. But so that's, fast. Uh, st- stopping the runs one thing that Kansas City does well.
0: I think they're going to get some of their skill position players back, Mostert and Waddle, But still a tough task to go into Arrowhead. We've always talked about it. Like, what are the maybe the three or four toughest places to go play on the road? And I think we're, we're in, you know, uh, we agree that it's Arrowhead, it's Lambeau. Um, It's Buffalo. Those are three of the really tough spots to play. So I think for any opposition team going into Kansas City in those conditions against Andy Reid, against Patrick Mahomes, I think that's why we've seen that number tick up. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, Another game now, we're going to jump over to Sunday, the early game on Sunday. The Pittsburgh Steelers against the red-hot Buffalo Bills. Bills were 6-6. Six and six. We were talking about would they even make the postseason. If they did, we figured they'd be dangerous. But we didn't know if they would or not. They've been red-hot since that time. They made the offensive coordinator change. But really, it's been their defense that has picked up. Now, Pittsburgh has played really well with Mason Rudolph toward the end of the season. Last year, not this past season, season before, though, they went into Buffalo and they won a game there. Uh, it's a high number. Weather is supposed to be frigid as well. We've seen this total drop 5 Five points because of that but i think a really tough task for the steelers without tj watt to go into buffalo and win
1: yeah and i'll address it from the <laughs> buffalo standpoint you talk about you know the hottest teams in the nfl you have to put that bill the bills on that list they've been actually absolutely on a run talked about it six and six to come back all the way and win the east find themselves as the number two seed behind the ravens josh allen i think kind of you know spoke with his legs best. Um, on a 3rd and 15 late in the game against Miami in that week 18 where he ran the ball I think he broke 4 or 5 tackles ended up running for a first down there was a holding call on Diggs it would have been a first down anyway but he just looks like a man absolutely possessed and, and ready to lead this team, and they've got the weapons that are there. Diggs has not been exceptional over the back half of the season. We see Dalton Kincaid has really become one of his top weapons and but a isn't go-to that guy.
0: More impressive though that it hasn't been all Allen to Diggs; that it's been Kincaid, it's been the running game of James Cook, it's been uh, Shakur, it's been Gabe Davis. Yeah, that's the, all the, the, these I, guys. I think the right. firing
1: of Dorsey from the offensive <laughs> coordinator standpoint kind of took away from Stephon Diggs, Stephon Diggs, Stephon Diggs, Stephon Diggs, and made it a more balanced approach. And I think that's been better. And if Josh Allen doesn't turn the football over. If he doesn't throw these bad interceptions, they're going to win football That's a big if, though. And and even when he did this past week uh, against the Dolphins, they were still able to come back and win games because of what you're talking about on the defense. On the flip side for me, talk about T.J. Watt being out for the Steelers, but as much as the Bills earned their way into the playoffs... Um, I, I think the Steelers somewhat backdoored their way into the playoffs. Now, again, they won their games to get into the playoffs, but they won their games against the Raven team that didn't have, didn't have to play their starters right. in that last game of the season. They won 17-10 to 10 in Baltimore against the Raven team that didn't but play Lamar Jackson. But they still put Jackson.
0: themselves in a position to win that Correct. game. Yeah,
1: right. But they, they go in as a 10-point underdog <laughs> here into Buffalo. A really tough situation for Mason Rudolph. They're going to have to run the ball successfully, and we talked about um, the cold that's going to be in Kansas City. There's more potential for um, not as cold, but a lot more no potential uh, precipitation in Buffalo, right. and winds. We're hitting potential 30 to 40 mile an hour winds, which that affects the passing game even more. Um, Rudolph to Pickens has been their kind of connection. So this could be a, a running game, a field well, position. Well, Najee and Warren, they've
0: got, you know, they've got two really sure. good running backs with Pittsburgh too, so I think all these cold weather games like this that affects the passing game with the winds, if you have to be able to run the ball, and going back to the other game, the, the Miami-Kansas City game... We know that Miami, with Mozart and a chain, can run the ball. If they're both healthy, if the conditions are bad, that really helps the Dolphins a lot. Uh, one interesting stat on this game, too, we'll throw out there. The total has gone under in seven of Pittsburgh's last eight games when playing Buffalo. So we've seen this one drop. There's a trend there. I think it's the weather and this trend both attributed to that. So now the game, the middle game on Sunday, which I think is going to be a phenomenal game. It's, if you like offense, I think this is the game. It's the Green Bay Packers. With love, who've been who's been red hot against the Dallas Cowboys at home. The Cowboys have won, I think, 16 straight at home. Uh, they've been dominant. If it's Dak Prescott, if it's Ceedee Lamb, Mike McCarthy, who was fired as coach of the Packers, gets to coach against the Packers here. This one, I think, is a really intriguing matchup. Um, This number two is kind of a big number right now. Cowboys are over a touchdown favorite. Uh, Can the Packers do enough offensively against that Cowboy defense to keep this one close? I think they can.
1: Yeah, and the fact that the Cowboys come in here as the number two seed, um, which we weren't expecting after the Eagles started off the season 10-1, and Cowboys battle back, get the number two seed, put themselves in a scenario where they have home field advantage until they potentially have to play the Niners, uh, get to play the Packers here where you talk about they've been dominant at home. Kind of a bigger number than I expected, with it being over the touchdown. favorite for, right. the, for the Cowboys. The Packers team has been exceptional. Again, a super super young team. Yep. Um, Aaron Jones has been playing much better um, from a backfield standpoint and it seems like Jordan Loves finds these young you receivers know, Jay, all over the place. He had over
0: 30 touchdowns this year really quietly. Yep. He had a great year and that was with guys like Reed and, and Musgrave and his young receivers and Watson being banged up. If he's got that, that full uh, assault of, of guys on his team, I think that really helps a lot.
1: Yeah, and I think that's why we see the total so high on this one in that in 51 <clears throat> One point range is that um, the Cowboys have been so hot. You talked about Dak to C.D. Lamb. They really haven't been doing it with the ground game with Pollard. It's It's been the passing game sprinkling in Cooks occasionally with Lamb. Uh, but I do feel like the Packers are going to be able to move the football in this game if, if Love can make some good decisions and find his young rookie uh, ride receiving core. He's got you know, one of the youngest receiving right. cores out there. If Reed is healthy, potentially get Watson back in this game. Kraft has been fantastic from a tight end standpoint, and obviously we know Aaron Jones can be a catch ball in the backfield. Right. So I think the Packers do have some weapons, but again, Dallas has been one of those teams that just it seems like everything's been going their way the last four or five weeks, and uh, they're definitely on that uh,
0: that title run and, and looking to meet the Niners in a championship I think game. with them being seated number two, I think there is a little bit of added pressure on McCarthy. You, you hear rumblings all the time, you know, would Belichick— and Jerry Jones be a good match. You know, what if they lose this game? What does that mean for McCarthy? And I think when you look at Dallas right now, there's a little bit more pressure on them than maybe Green Bay. I know we talked about the total and a lot of scoring. Here's two great trends you think this game's going to go over. The total has gone over, excuse me, in five of Green Bay's last five games on the road. They play on the road. The total has gone over in five of Green Bay's last five games when playing on the road at Dallas. So they're comfortable in that environment. These two teams can score a lot of points. For me, this is the game that I think led the highest total once the game kicks. Yeah, and
1: I look at Dallas, you know, one of the things about taking the, the Packers plus the points is they did have a couple of these scary games for them at home. Um, we saw the Detroit game just a couple of weeks ago. Detroit should have won that game, right. Where, where, where we had the two-point conversion call that was questionable. Um, cu- the week after Thanksgiving, they were down to the Seattle Seahawks um, for very much, most part of the game, able to come back and steal that game. So it's not, while they've been dominant at home, a lot of that has been against a commander team or or an eagle team that they were able to beat up, um, so they have been in some tight games uh, to where potentially that seven point spread comes into play
0: yep so now the late game on Saturday night. this is another one I think is a phenomenal matchup and maybe you can make a case for all the dogs that maybe this is the most compelling dog and this is the rams at detroit so you get matt stafford going up against jared goff we know these two were traded for each other stafford's been phenomenal with his young core of receivers if it's cooper cup if it's uh, atwell um if it's uh, Puka nakua if it's robinson he's been really good williams at running back he knows the stadium interesting game is that we open detroit 3 Quickly went to three and a half, but you guys said right away, that's just too high took it right back and it kind of settled in at 3 right now but this game for me is really an intriguing matchup between these two teams because I think we expected after the way Detroit finished last year they would be there. They were the best team in the NFC North going into the season. But in the Rams case, one of the youngest teams in football, they really played well over the last 6 weeks of the of the season. I think a great job by Sean McVay to get his team here. They're one of the youngest teams in the league and they've got some firepower on offense.
1: Yeah, this is uh this is the game that I have circled to watch and I don't know if my Inner Bear fan is coming out that I don't (laughs) like the Lions, but I I uh, I really think this is a great game and great matchups for the Rams. Um, You talked about they kind of struggled out of the box. They started the year three and six, didn't look like they had any chance to come back and be a playoff team. And and after their bye week in Week Ten, they went seven and one to end the season. And their only loss was an overtime loss at Baltimore on a punt return by the Ravens, who obviously we know are the number one seed in the AFC. So this. Rams team has kind of found something and you talked about when they get Cooper Cup on the field, Puka Nakua on the field Williams on the field and Stafford on the field this offense has got a lot of different ways to turn and one of the things the Lions don't do best is stop things on the defensive side of the football. It's been Jared Goff to St. Brown with Gibbs and Montgomery out of, the, out of the backfield. And so they're doing things on the offensive side of things. If this is an offensive shootout, I think I'd favor the Rams in that Same. situation uh, just with the fact that they have their weapons. And the big thing for me, check the status, but the Lions had really no reason to play last week, were locked into this spot and elected to play all their starters anyway. And their young tight end, Laporta, got hurt in that game. Right. His status is kind of up in the air as if he's going to play. If he doesn't play, that's a big missing piece out of that offense that I think hurts even more. Uh, But, again, I think this is a really, really interesting spot for the Rams.
0: I think, too, if you really want to watch this game and you're getting distracted at home, right, the dogs barking, the cat's making too much noise. The peacock's in front of the screen. You can come here and watch the game because we'll have the game on here. So come on out and watch the game. Here's some interesting betting trends for this one too, guys. Rams 7-1 and one straight up in their last eight games. Phenomenal finish. Rams 6-1 and one against the number their last seven games. Detroit 6-1 and one straight up in their last seven games at home. And the total has gone over for Detroit five of their last six games at home. So as Jay kind of alluded to earlier, if you think there's going to be a lot of scoring here and they go back and forth, what player knows Ford Field better than anybody else? Probably Matt Stafford who put up some big records there with Calvin Johnson and in all the years that he played there, this is really an intriguing matchup for me.
1: Yeah, Detroit knows Stafford, and unfortunately, um, Los Angeles knows golf. So there's some some inside yep. uh, things going on there where they know their their, their quarterback trends and tendencies. Uh, so it's is a, a battle inside the film room uh, to, to, to see what else goes on on the field.
0: So we talked about the, the first five games, and now we get to talk about another primetime game on Monday. I love the format. I mean, For us, anytime you have an isolated primetime game, it's just fun. I mean, the atmosphere is different. The crowd's different in the book. Um, Just all the different betting options on these games really come to the forefront. And now you've got a game that, with the Philadelphia Eagles, as Jay mentioned earlier, 10-1, and when we had that AFC-NFC prop-up, it was based on the Eagles being the NFC team. They have really limped into the postseason. Hurts hasn't been the same. Devonta Smith's been banged up. A.J. Brown's been banged up. Definitely some off-the-field issues attributed to on-the-field stuff between Seriani and A.J. Brown. They opened up a -a two-and-a-half-point favorite in Tampa. They're now a three-point favorite. But hats off to Baker Mayfield. I mean, he's come into Tampa, done a great job. They win kind of ugly, but he's got some good weapons, either at at running back with White or receivers and Evans and Godwin. This is a Tampa team at home that maybe they can pull off the upset because I keep waiting, and I think maybe you guys do too, it's the Eagles. It's that offense. They're going to flip the switch. They haven't done it in six weeks, although they did beat Tampa 25-11 this year. Can they still flip the switch is the big question for me.
1: Now I'll go back and look at that first <laughs> game you talked about in week three when Philadelphia was on their run playing their, their great football. Um, 25-11 win. First downs were 27-12 to in favor of Philly. Ran 78 plays to 44 plays for the Bucks, And more importantly, 472 yards to 174 yards for the Bucks, but different teams now. completely different team you talked about the Eagles being 10-1 and 1. they're 1-5 in their last six games they got destroyed by the two good teams in that stretch in San Francisco and Dallas and crazy enough in that middle of the season they had wins over Miami Kansas City Dallas and Buffalo in a, in the, in a stretch at, right at the end there before they suffered these losses and now the last couple of weeks they've gotten beat by Arizona, they've gotten beat by the Giants, so they're not playing good football and it all comes down to their secondary and their defense. They have been unable to stop the pass and so if Baker Mayfield can find Edwins and Godwin and have success throwing the football, they're going to be able to stay in this game with the Eagles. It comes back to the offense you talked about. Can Hertz and Swift regain that offensive control? Um, Swift ran for 130 yards when they played in in week three. Tampa (laughs) is able to stop the run. They've been really, really inconsistent in their games. They go and shut somebody out, then they get crushed by New Orleans. They go to Green Bay and they win a game. So Tampa's been kind of that, you know, Dr. Heckle, Mr. Jock. you know, we, we always go back and forth with, with, with who they are, but I don't think they know who they are, right. and, but they're going to have to find a Baker-Mayfield game here. I think they're going to want to throw the football. I think they're want to get um, White out of the backfield, uh, but they're going to have to stand up and play some defense. The good thing for them is potentially AJ Brown's banged up. We know Devonta yeah, Smith he might is not play.
0: Up. We don't know. He's having an MRI today, yeah, the, so we don't know the for sure. Eagles on the offensive side of the football
1: have been banged up, and I think that's why we see the short number here. Because realistically, a healthy Eagle team. Um, just four or five weeks ago is almost a touchdown favorite over Tampa. So this line has kind of got some cheap value on the Eagles, but the 1-5 the Eagles these last six games, I don't know how much faith but you have on them that's to the lay re- some number on the that's wood. that's the
0: reason. It's not just health. It's that we've kept waiting for them to flip the switch, and they haven't done it for six weeks now. Yep. And <clears throat> A.J. Brown, even when healthy, Hurts was having problems getting him the ball. So I don't know what happened. They got Goddard back. We thought they'd be a better team with Swift. Uh, and the running backs that they have, uh, Gainwell well able to use a number of running backs, but it hasn't been the case. So talking about the struggles that Tampa had offensively, how the Eagles limp into the playoffs, I'll leave you with these stats, guys. The total has gone under in seven of Philadelphia's last eight games on the road. They're on the road in Tampa. The total has gone under in six of Tampa's last seven games at home. So neither team over the last two months has really scored a lot, and the trends of home and away of how these teams over/under splits go has really favored the under so far.
1: Yeah, and I mean, if you look just last week, we talked about a Tampa team that needed to go into Carolina and get a win to secure their um, AFC North, uh, AFC or NFC uh, South uh, championship, and they're only able to put up nine points, not even able to score a touchdown on the two and fourteen Carolina Panthers. So um, this is this is the spot where they've got to be able to find that offense. Maker, Baker Mayfield has got to be able to throw the ball down the field. He's got to be able to find Godwin in those underneath routes for them to have some and,
0: and And don't forget, guys, with all that's going on, I mean, there's other sports. Of course, there's the Golden Knights going on, the NBA, a lot of really cool stuff going on right now. And we know we've kind of touched on this over the last few weeks. A lot of you guys have migrated to the new app, our new SDN Sports app. Don't forget on there the live betting aspect and the same game parlays. I've heard from so many of you guys that you love the same game parlays. So if you haven't migrated over or if you haven't signed up for the new app yet, now's a great time with all this stuff going on in the world of sports. Yeah, and
1: and finding the props. All you got to do is touch the game. So if you're looking at this Eagles-Bucks game, simply touch the Eagles-Bucks game, and it's going to open up. Uh, the same game parlays it's also going to open up a bunch of bubbles where you see touchdown plops receiving props passing yard props the menu is absolutely gigantic on all these playoff games and even so much go into nba go into hockey you'll see 250 some plus bets on every hockey game
0: yeah a lot of really cool features the props are just out of this world right now. Check it all out, guys. We look forward to seeing you. It's wild Card weekend. Some great games. We know that there's two teams, the Baltimore Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers, that are just kind of sitting at home right now, waiting to see who they play. We'll be diving into all those games in the divisional round next week. So good luck this weekend. For Jason, I'm Chucky e for the Sports Betting Podcast Bookends. We'll see you guys next week.